Um, <clears throat> well, here's the deal. I uh, make short videos. I write short videos. I direct short videos. Um, I try to do basically uh, any... Sh I try to take any short video opportunity that comes my way and uh, uh, exploit it for my own artistic and uh, entertaining benefits. So basically... Um, I make um, I do it a couple different ways. I make narrative stuff with uh, a couple people uh, like Will Carlo and Matt Elkind, um, in who who comprise the Redheaded League. I also uh, work with a documentary group um, called the Internet's Celebrities that comprises is comprised of Dallas Penn, Rafi Cam, and myself. And we basically make short documentaries uh, that appear solely. Or, or at least primarily on the internet, or internets as we call it, um, that are about New York, about different urban things, whether it's uh, concerts or shows, or about uh, debt, or about bodegas. We basically try to look at New York from a lot of different uh, angles that um, we think we can be a little funny and a little scathingly political or something like that. Um, I've also made a few websites, uh, including... I guess my I guess the the one that I'm really the most uh, proud of is probably called is the one called Crying While Eating, uh, which you can find at cryingwhileeating.com, and essentially it's a video of uh, it's it's a site that's videos of people crying and eating at the same time, and I think this was a real breakthrough for me because I loved the idea of making a, a website that was um, exactly what it said it was, and what it said it was was something that totally didn't make sense. So. Uh, <laughs> Essentially, uh, Crying While Eating was a big hit and a lot of fun, and it kind of also uh, showed me that I could make uh, that I could make something that was, I guess, popular or successful, um, and it could be really simple videos. I mean, the simplest camera mic, uh, you know, one-shot, limited editing video, and it could still be a very successful piece. And prior to that, I worried a lot about production value, and now I really worry more about getting stuff done. So... Um, I do a lot of other stuff, but I guess in a nutshell, those are some of the hits and some of the things I'm working on now. So uh, my name is Kazimir Nazkowski. Great. Thanks, Kazimir. My name is Emerson Murray. I'm Lyle Troxler. You're listening to Media Sound Off. Kazimir, can you talk about your start in videography and editing? I mean, were you trained in school or did you just pick it up on your own? Um, I Well, I knew I wanted to be a, a director, a, a movie director, since I was a kid. And I kind of had this, like... I think this kind of total confidence about it starting when I was a teenager um, based really not in reality at all. It was it was that I know I'm going to be a movie director and I know this will happen and if I just kind of keep this attitude, uh, it will really take place. So um, for a long time, I didn't do anything about it. I just knew that I'd be a director. And then when I got to college... Um, I realized I actually had to start making movies, that it wasn't just about just about the attitude. Yeah. And the first ones I made were um, pretty bad, and I think like most film students. And I realized that I would have to start, um, that I wanted to start experimenting a lot, that I wanted to make more and more films, and I wanted to become prolific. And I didn't necessarily need to be a great filmmaker, but I wanted to be someone who made a lot of movies and kind of got better by, you know, experimenting. So... When video became a viable um, alternative to the cumbersome process of film, um, I basically just jumped on it. I'd say this was probably right out of college. And I just started kind of... I, I'd made two films right out of college, and they took about four years or, you know, mm. 
overlapping, and they took about, and I think cost about thirty or forty thousand dollars total. Wow. And while I have a lot of love for these films, they are more or less kind of bad. And uh, <laughs> the the second one I think is actually pretty charming, but the first one is so sad and so kind of out of whack with, you know, I think the movies that I like to make and like to see that. Um, I just felt like I had to start making stuff faster and make more of them. And so I guess you could say in 98, 99, around there, 2000, um, I just started trying to make lots of videos. And okay, so I, I see that you were pretty prolific online. You have a lot of videos up there. Are the ones that are the long form, the four-year four projects, are those up as well? Uh, one of them is actually there's the shorter one, the second one, uh, is called Ice Cream Sunday. And uh, and the Sunday is spelled like the day of the week. Okay, so if you're spending if you're spending less time on your work, is there mm-hmm. is there something really interesting or different coming out of it? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's it may, I think in a way it makes you more fearless. I mean, you when you're when you're making stuff that's you know taking years to make and is still just a, a short film or twenty minute ten minute film. I think you become like everything becomes like so precious, and you worry so much about getting right. things perfect that you end up missing a lot of really exciting chances to make something that's adventurous you know that's kind of awesome so so talking about adventuresome and awesome um, how did you get started <laughs> with internet celebrities um well i went to i went to high school with uh rafi cam and uh he he's he's a blogger and he one day hipped me to this um he, he runs oword.com right and uh he hipped me to this guy dallas penn he said hey there's this guy dallas he writes this really funny blog uh, and he wrote about this thing called ghetto, uh, a ghetto Big Mac. <laughs> and I read the post, and the post was hilarious. It was almost, it was almost like a, a film script in a way because it was these, uh, it was this, you know, this this blog that basically documented how he only had, you know, a dollar and a half or two dollars, and I think he was in like Baltimore, like late at night, and he wanted a he wanted a Big Mac, but he didn't have enough money for a Big Mac, so he basically made his own by remixing uh the dollar menu <laughs> so uh and we were talking about it and i and i don't remember whose idea but we were we said basically uh raffi i said oh why don't i get you got you raffi and dallas together and why don't we make a video where you guys order and construct uh ghetto big macs in a mcdonald's and you know let's just shoot it and see what happens and um so we made that video it was a big hit and it was so easy to make a video with these guys i mean we shot for like Two hours, right. and I think we made a vi- I made a video that I was really really proud of, and I said, okay, well, we got to do this again. So there you go. Did you edit it down? I did. I did edit it. Actually, it's funny because I mean, I love to kind of brag about like how easy it was to shoot because it was you know like I said, it was just we just got to, that was the first time I met Dallas, and it was took two hours to to shoot. But when it came to the editing, I actually was. It took me, I think, about two weeks to edit because I was kind of like <laughs> racking my brain. I was like, "What do you know? How do I how do I make this kind of compelling and not right. just kind of you know? You want to be ruthless with it." So, and I heard that was the first time that that Raffi and Dallas Penn had met as well. Is that true? That is true. We were kind of. I think Raffi picked me up in Brooklyn, and then Dallas called us, and we went and picked him up. And he just. I mean, he's a. I mean, he's like a terrific, terrific personality, and just you know, he just got in. and He's like, "All right, let's go. Let's do this." You know, yeah. and. Um, so yeah, it was really, it was actually really easy to work, to work with him. That's great. And how much of it, I mean, you just took it directly from his, his blog post or did you guys do any writing beforehand or did you just talk about it or? 
I don't even think I don't think we really talked about it. It was more like it was like a relay. Like I would say to Rafi, "Oh, we should meet at this McDonald's," and Rafi would relay that to Dallas, and Dallas would be like, "Oh, that's great. Let's do that." Oh, and you know, let's meet at this time. I mean, I think we just had logistics conversations, right. and then. When we got, I remember thinking, like, on the way there, I was like, you know what? Okay, if I'm directing this, I should have a little bit of a plan, like half a plan. Right. So I think I, when I just, I just thought to myself, oh, I should warm these guys up if they're not, especially if they're not performers, you know. So we did a bunch, I think the, the limit of my scope was uh, we did a bunch of posings where, <laughs> where basically I just had these two guys in front of McDonald's. Uh-huh kind of striking these poses, voguing, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and we came up with a couple of things that I thought were really funny. You know, just trying to, we were trying to keep this tone of like mock seriousness. So the poses had this kind of, you know, tough kind of vibe. Yeah. And yet they were totally ludicrous because it was in front of a McDonald's as if, you know, it was the most important location on earth. So, And were you at co- at still going to college at this point or were you out? No, no, I actually, I, I uh, this was... This was only, I'd say, two years ago. I really got, I got hooked up with them, I guess that was summer, yeah, summer of 2006. So I was eight years out of college, eight years oh, out of college. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. I see. We, we just got hooked up on Internet Celebrities about two weeks ago, and I quickly watched all of them and have rewatched a couple of them. What are your future subjects, and when are you going to start releasing more? Uh, that's a great question. Um, our future subjects, you know, we like, you know, we like to be a little secretive, you know, we don't want to let... Yeah, tease people too much. Actually, we're always kind of talking about how much to to tease a subject. You know what I mean? Like, there's something something to like surprising the internet. I think a little bit. But um, but I can say that the next video, you know, we we the last one we made. Well, the last one we really made was Futuristic Brunch, which was the second in the Ghetto Big Mac trilogy. Right. So and the one before that, the one before that was Checkmate, which was about check cashing places. So I think in my head I kind of imagined that the way we're talking about it is the next, the next one's going to be another video like Checkmate, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more serious, a little kind of broader in scope, and it's going to be in some capacity about real estate in New York, and and then after that we're going to do a um, uh, the third in the Ghetto Big Mac trilogy because the second one was just so much fun. So you're handling extremely serious issues. In a very funny way. I don't know about the Big Mac one being extremely serious. But, the, you know, the bodega and the idea that this is the diet of an entire population and mm-hmm. um, the idea of, you know, the money laundering situations going on where people are getting kind of their, their money being taken from them with the check cashing mm-hmm. one. You're handling extremely serious issues and you're doing it in a very light way. Is there a danger about it getting too serious? Um, well, let's see. That's a good question. Uh is there a danger of getting too serious? I mean, I just think that the goal for these videos is to make them, you know, accessible, to make the subject matter kind of palatable. And, you know, I mean, I'm not sure that we're trying to perform any kind of specific service or send any kind of specific message. But I just know that we, I feel like it's easy, it, like, it, it gets kind of easier to kind of um, make stronger points by being funny. In other words, I feel like in some ways, you have to earn uh, any kind of message that you have, or any kind of any kind of preaching that you want to do. And I'm, you know, I mean, I use that. I don't know if I, I should really be using that term, but it's like. So I feel like being funny kind of gives you the right to look at harder issues. Whereas if you weren't funny, it would be a lot easier to be dismissed. I think when you're funny, it's like you get more traction. You can get a better, you know, toehold. I mean, and to me, it's just funny is more compelling. 
and the know? audience is there. I mean, I don't think these would have spread if they would have been preaching. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you I, talk uh, a little bit about the spread of, of of the internet celebrities and and how that happened and how you heard of it? Uh, how like how okay like how it got got the how we got yeah. the videos out there essentially. Yeah. Um. Well, we just kind of put. Let's see. We made when we made Ghetto Big Mac, which is really still one of our biggest hits. Um, we just put it on YouTube, and because oword.com and DallasPen.com are, you know, pretty pretty well trafficked. I mean, they're not gigantic blogs, but they definitely have like strong followings. Um, they post Dallas and Raffi posted it on their sites, and so that gave it kind of a little boost. And then they have they have other allies, and I have a few allies out there who have blogs with that get traffic, and those and they posted it. And, you know, basically you just try to kind of slowly boost it and boost it out further. And the more people you get looking at it, I mean, it's just, it's momentum. So right. I think with all our videos, we try to have, you know, a little bit of a plan about releasing it. Like, let's release it early in the week, you know, let's release it early, you know, early in the day. And let's all like do the posts at the same time. So you really hit in kind of one, one big shot, essentially. Um, I read on your biography that you were on the Tonight Show, uh, and I'm assuming it was for the internet celebrities. Uh, it's not. It's actually it was for crying while eating. Oh, it was really. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's I, um, good. No, I'm sorry. Go on. No, I was just going to ask you about that crying while eating. Can you talk about the development of that? Sure. Um, I uh, a friend of mine, Dan Angber. Uh, he and I made uh, the site together. Uh, another friend from high school, actually. And uh, basically, the way that happened was. Uh, Dan, Dan called me up one day and he said, Hey, there's this con, you know, there's this contest about making a viral, uh, making a viral website. Do you want to make a site for this contest? He wanted to write an article about it cause he, he's uh, an editor for, for slate, uh, com. And I was like, Oh sure. That'd be fun. Make a viral website. Yeah. Let's, let's brainstorm some ideas. And <laughs> we quickly came up with crying while eating and it was a really easy site to kind of put together. And I think because the contest gave us that initial boost, you know, uh, it had some press about it. It just blew up like crazy. And we didn't actually end up winning the contest, but we came in second. And, you know, it got seen by, uh, like, millions of people and just caught fire. And we did, like, all this press about it. And uh, we started getting submissions from, like, hundreds and hundreds of strangers from around the world of people crying and eating at the same time. And, you know, we kind of, well, we wanted it. We kind of invited people to do that. We wanted it to be kind of interactive. Right. And is it still, it's still running strong, right? Still running. I I hesitate to say this, but part of the, part of the contest was that we won like a a year's or a couple of years worth of, um, uh, what's the word of server of server space. And, uh, I, I think that time is up. And yet, uh-huh. somehow, the site continues. So I don't know if we were just like you know grandfathered in, and now we will forever be on the internet. But <laughs> um, and I'm probably jinxing it right now. But it really just is. Uh, it just kind of carries on, and we try to update it. You know, once every I'd say two or three times a year. And so you're are you updating it? Uh, no, uh, Dan Embert is is the one updating it. I do like the the way we kind of sp- it, it worked out great. You know, we kind of split out the duties. I did like the filming. Uh, all the filming and the editing, the kind of prepping the video, and he did the site construction, and then we kind of wrote it together and put it together. So, so we get submissions. I kind of code it, and, and when I and when I say code it, I mean just compress it so it's all the okay. right size and shape. And then Dan uploads all the videos. But you only do it like once a year, upload it, update it. Yeah, uh, I, these days when when we first when we were first doing it, we were doing it probably every week. 
And then as traffic kind of dipped down, you know, as the phenomenon kind of like passed, um, we started doing it once a quarter. And then now I think we're about like, you know, once every four, four months, I would say we probably do it. You know, basically when the when the feeling grabs us, we're like, okay, we've got to update. We've got to keep it going. So you know? taking a look at like Ghetto Big Mac, looks like you posted Ghetto Big Mac with your personal account. And then mm-hmm. the follow-up um, episodes of Internet Celebrities have been up into a new, the, the own channel or whatever uh, YouTube uses it. Is that, is that a pers- – I mean, wh- why have you moved in that direction? Is it, is it a group effort or is it your effort? Uh, it was kind of a group effort. I mean, I think it was as, I think I have to say that when we made Ghetto Big Mac, there was a lot of whim behind it. So it was like, oh, I'll throw it up on my account. Maybe it'll get seen. That's cool. And then when it kind of blew up and then we made Bodega and Bodega was kind of, was, was, you know, Bodega was in some way, it it wasn't as big a hit as Ghetto Big Mac, but it was, I don't know, it it made us feel like, okay, we now have to like start making more movies. Yeah, well when um, you get a, when you get 700,000 people watching your video, it's kind of makes you motivated to do more, right? It really does. You're yeah. like, "Oh wow, there's there's an audience." You okay, know, that's, if, you, that's, if there's an audience, is there any money? Are you making any money on it? Uh, not much. I mean, that's one of the eternal dilemmas I probably for almost everyone who's making video on the internet, but especially for us, um, I, that's something that we really we actually think about a lot because we get like little you know little chunks of change for kind of for licensing our video here or licensing it there, um, but we haven't had you know we we aren't we all have day jobs still, um, and we're all trying to figure out how do you how to monetize it. I mean I even kind of hate the word monetize and I hate thinking about business plans, but it just. It just, I just, you know, I just want to do internet celebrities videos all the time, and it's hard to justify all of our time doing it if we're not obviously making some money off it. So, right, and I think the public would love to pay for it. I'm not exactly sure how. Yeah, for well, you guys well, to do that full time. Well, one thing we were we were messing with was, you know, we have this, we have our site, we have internetcelebrities.com, which is kind of like a blog, and it's also a play, a kind of centralized location that you know we can post all our uh, all our videos. Um, we recently put up a donation, a donation chip, a thing that you can, you know, uh, whatever it's called, like chip in. It's like a little widget, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got a, I, what I thought, I found a very inspiring response. We made, you know, probably in a month, month and a half, we probably made a thousand dollars. And obviously, you know, that's not. I'm not saying that's a gigantic sum, but it, again, considering it, it, it was really just people's goodwill. Uh, it felt actually pretty amazing. Yeah, so, and it's, it's not really pressed on the site either. I mean, it's not like, hey, donate, donate, donate. It's just right, right. up there in the corner. Yeah. I mean, the one thing we tried, the one idea we had, and we were, I'd love to keep exploring it, but we also have to kind of make more movies. So it's really kind of, we can kind of have to keep them, again, you have to keep the momentum going. Um, but we also were saying that everyone who donated would become a producer on our next movie. So for for for, <laughs> oh, for Futuristic Brunch, which was the the last film we made, which was kind of Ghetto Big Mac Part 2, um, we had about 40 producers on it. So when we posted it, and it's like a four-minute video where we basically curse out McDonald's a lot and then make yeah. a ridiculous sandwich about that combines breakfast and lunch, um, you know, a lot of the, the, the comment hate, or not a lot of it, but definitely a decent amount, had to do with... Um, 
you know, why did, why the hell do these guys have 40 producers? It took 40 producers to make this video? <laughs> you know, they, they're, not, they're not up to date on the transaction, I guess, that's well, taking I think place. it's really interesting. Like, right now, your, your producer, I like that you publish how many people subscribe and, or how many people have actually paid you. 48 contributors right now, about 1000 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fascinating that if you look at the YouTube you know, count, you're, you must be in the millions of views now with all the, all the different uh, shows added together. So yeah, that's a pretty pitiful per, you know, percentage. Of people donating, <laughs> have you thought about just starting each of the videos with "Hey, we we'd love you to contribute. We'll make more," um, and then just start that way? I, you know, I we have we've talked about it. I mean, if we, I guess the thing is, it's kind of it, it's really just more experimenting. I mean, we need more videos so that we can try things like that. Now, right. personally, when I watch videos on the internet, and and there are things that I love, and there are things that I would love to give money to, um, you know, I. At the same time, I get I get I get weirdly turned off. There's like a visceral reaction when someone in the actual video, in the actual like body of the video, is talking about you know making money. And it's it, I I don't think it's logical, but there's something so immediate about the internet that it feels like I've been I don't know like it feels offensive that I'm I have to you know watch something else before I get to the subject I want. And that's terrible because if it's something that I like, I'd be happy to support it. Yeah, so, I can see that with commercials, like when you have to put somebody else's brand in there. But the idea right. of asking for money seems to be so minimalistic on, on what's impacted. I mean, the characters could even do it during the film. I'm just wondering, do you, do you think that would get in the way of what you're trying to do? I, you know, I, wor- I worry that it would, but I'm sure, I'm sure it wouldn't. I mean, the people who like us, I think, like I mean, they would totally understand. If you look at us, you, you would see that we're not trying to make, you know, we're not trying to get super paid or really see that as a reality. It's like we just want to get paid enough where making a video is like it's no problem to take days off work and whatever so so you're right i think i think that probably be met with you know uh, a decent amount of approval on the other hand people who don't know us might be turned off and so there's always this fear of like am i going to piss off um you know potential uh, vessels of kind of viral success so right you know what about know. uh sponsorship from mcdonald's <laughs> I'd feel I'd feel terrible if we did that. We already get accused of that. People, you know, people are like, "Oh man, you're working for you're working oh, for really? the clown. How dare you?" <laughs> yeah, I can see yeah. that. I mean, you definitely want to try making a ghetto Big Mac, you know? No, absolutely. I tried to I tried to make ghetto Big Mac. I think I think I was upping the subversive message, even though I think it was you know very kind of good hearted. I was kind of upping the subversive message in the editing because I was like, "Oh man, I don't want them to think that we're trying to like right. you know build up money for McDonald's." So. Do you, have you ever changed anything that's sort of in the editing room that didn't come across clearly or changed the message of anything? Um, I, well, I, I would say I've probably, I've, I guess I've, I've probably changed some things, but uh, I don't know that it, it's more like, you know, I look at it like this, like when we shoot, we have a really bad shooting ratio. I mean, or I should say a good one for, a good or a bad one, depends on how you look at it. Uh, we shoot a lot of footage. We shoot right. a ton of footage, and there's a lot of stuff that really sucks, that is off-message, that's self-indulgent, that's whatever. So if anything, when I'm changing stuff, it's more that I'm, you know, I'm just putting two things together that when we shot it, were not intended to go together, but then all of a sudden I kind of see how it all makes sense. So there's some definitely right. some spatial issues in Bodega and in Checkmate where two places that are actually totally different... I you know, where I make it seem as if we're actually in one place, you know, or if we're oh, in right, one place. Right. So, but, uh, 
Yeah. Do Dallas and Rafi have any input? I mean, do you show them rough drafts, or is are you sort of the final word as the director? Uh, I definitely I show them I show them rough cuts all the way along. I encourage their input. I encourage their help. Uh, if there's anything though that I'm guilty as guilty of as an editor is just you know being a, sometimes being a little too sensitive. I think all editors, except maybe the best ones, have this problem, which is you work on something so hard for you know just yourself for so long, and then you open it up to your comrades. And so even though they're not, Raffing Dallas have never asked me for anything that was, you know, even remotely, um, you know, insensitive or offensive as an editor to hear. And yet sometimes I, you know, I, I just like snap and I'm like, <laughs> what? you want to change it to green? You bastards. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I just, yeah that's your baby. Yeah, right. So and then so I have to kind of, you know, chill that out and realize that, look, I just made, you know, I took a I took um, uh, 10 hours of footage. I turned it into a 10 minute movie and the subjects who were in every frame of it basically have one to two notes so right. i should try to temper okay. my temper my temper if you hey, will. so you you mention um viral videos every once in a while and and since you're kind of successful in that in that area if you will and the commercial industry wants viral videos have you been propositioned uh not not really i mean i it's funny because i i actually work my my day job is i actually work in the commercial industry i work with um with different tv channels i make I make promos essentially for um, channels like AMC, Bravo, IFC. Um, actually, Bravo. I just do print ads, but but you know, basically, I, I work freelance for these channels, and um, so I tend to actually I, I tend to get kind of act sometimes as a consultant on viral video stuff, but actually, you know, more often I'm just making pretty straightforward broadcast commercials. <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about is you talked on the Internet Celebrity Blog. Uh, I think a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple days ago, about hating to go to film festivals because of the audio. Can you talk a little bit about that and the, <laughs> the difference between YouTube and what it's done to short films versus seeing them in the theater? Sure, sure. Um, basically, you know, when I'm cutting at home, when I'm cutting a, a movie at home, uh, I do this thing where I, I, I use pretty much as my guide for audio, I use computer speakers. In other words, I have a a Mac, you know, a laptop, a MacBook Pro, and I, I just use the the straight up onboard speakers that are you know on the computer. So it's kind of this pretty low quality audio that I'm kind of measuring the film by. So in my head, what I what I'm doing is when it gets to YouTube, I figure that most people are watching it with computer speakers. They're not trying to have you know a really enhanced audio experience. Right. They just want to you know they want it to be loud and they want it to be clear. So I cut with that in mind, and I make my audio work with that in mind. I probably boost levels more than I should, and I don't worry too much about nuances. I just try to keep a kind of consistent, like, loud, right. clear tone. So we also, uh, the other thing that I do is I shoot a lot of stuff with camera mics. I mean, I, I sometimes do stuff with shotguns, but, but for the most part, I really use what you know the mic that's on the camera. And this is essentially, I, th I find it a lot easier to get into places and not be kicked out when I have a kind of smaller camera, smaller setup, no audio person. So uh, that audio, I think, is great, but you end up, you know, you get a lot of ambient noise and things like that. So when you go to a film festival and they're blasting it on, you know, wall-to-wall -wall speakers in a theater or on a roof, um, 
you know, sometimes the it's really in the transitions where a piece of ambience changes to another piece of ambience. It can be just for me. It can be painful. I, so, I haven't so, really. I don't think people have been too too hurt by it. But Casimir, <laughs> you know. so if so, why even care about the film festivals? I mean, you're not going to get the kind of eyeballs and experience from users if you get into a few studio in, in a few um, uh, playhouses, right? I mean, right. what you can do right now is so above and beyond traditional films. So why even care about about that? <laughs> uh, you know, in, sometimes in my weaker moments, uh, I think that's <laughs> actually I think that's a really good point. I mean, I, it's kind of like you know these film festivals. Oh man, I you know I'm showing it to like 65 people, whereas you know I'm showing this to like a million people. You know, on the internet. I, I think uh, I think though. To be honest, uh, to be fair, I think I think film festivals are very valuable for pretty much anyone making movies because it is so different also to be in the midst of a crowd watching your film. I mean, mm. that's that's the real reaction. You you know you can trust comment, but there's a certain anonymity, obviously, that that makes you know, a little bit hard to gauge what people really think of your film on a, on a gut level. You I think you kind of understand it on an intellectual level. Are you talking you about post- like online comments? Yeah, yeah, online comments, or, or even, and then beyond that, people posting your video and talking about it. I mean, those things are great. I mean, you, you generally know if the reaction to your film is positive or negative. But when you're watching a movie with a crowd, like, thick, deep in the crowd, I mean, you really kind of see, you know, it, it's really, I'm, usually I'm just measuring laughter. Mm-hmm. And when people really go nuts over a line that Dallas says, you know, I mean, we, we just showed Checkmate, and people, like, lost their minds when he says, um... You know, amongst other things, when he says, uh, if I die in debt, I win, you know, <laughs> and seeing that it's like, I, I mean, I knew that line was funny, but it really, it, it's powerful stuff. And it, it's the kind of thing, it's the kind of feeling I think most filmmakers should, should, should get, you know, should try to find because it's, uh, it makes you hungry for more. And I think that makes you make your movies better if you are cognizant of this real visceral feeling that people have about your movies. So and- film festivals are, are good for that uh, analog that analog feeling. And is also some of it motivated by your desire to be, you know, grabbed by a big studio and asked to do a picture? <laughs> uh, I mean, that'd be nice. Um, I, I guess, uh, I think with film festivals, um, I'm not, it's funny, I'm not sure what the end game is there. Yeah. It, there's a couple, there's a couple like, I mean, this is such a weird transitional time, right? Where you're doing stuff for the internet and you're, but you still want to be, you know, my goals are still the same, even though if I, they seem kind of out of whack with what I'm doing. I mean, I still want to make feature films. So I still want this kind of conventional, you know, movie filmmaking success. So to do that, as I understand it, film festivals are very much part of it. So I suppose on some level though, I submit to film festivals, submit my films to film festivals, um, just because it seems like that's the right thing to do. Yeah, it's you know? traditional. I mean, we're really in this this mixed up time. Yeah, where everything is changing, and I think you're right. I think people are holding on to that traditional media, and I think the older generations, the people in power, are you know they play into that game. I think you're sort of on the forefront of that changing these changing times. Right. Right. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, it's. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's sometimes though I feel like when I'm submitting to submitting films to to festivals that I'm that I'm on autopilot. Where I'm like, why did I submit to that one? You know, like what am, yeah. what 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 is the absolute top best thing I could get from being in this film festival? And and a lot of it's just like a notch on a resume. You know, that's that's yeah. kind of meaningless. And like so. you said, hearing hearing that audience, I mean, 
That's nothing like that. That strokes your ego like nothing else. <laughs> I mean, that's great. <laughs> it's true. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I think it's an important important thing to say. It's also you know you know what the film uh, really means. I think when you yeah. have it out there like that. Can you talk about the Hello Curve? I mean, that's one of my favorite projects of yours. Oh shucks! Um, are, are you talking about the film or the website? Well, I you know oh. I saw the website first and I really liked it, and I saw the film, and I I think I prefer the website myself. Oh, not, that's that's very gratifying. I actually love hearing that um, because that that project is a totally under the radar project. I mean, I just don't think anyone you know we sent it out to a few places. I don't think anyone picked it up or ran with it in any way. Um, wh- after we made Crying While Eating, uh, Dan Engber and I. We were like, man, it, again, it, it, it was such a like lightning in a bottle kind of experience. Um, we should try to we should try to rep, we should try to actually work on a website and really like try to see if we can replicate that success with something that we actually you know rigorously work on. Um, so we basically put together, I'd say, about twenty ideas. Some of which I think I still think are good. Some of which I think are eh, you know all right. And one of them was the Hello Curve, and again, it was a per- it was a nice storm of like, you know, uh, co-written material, and we brought in our friend uh, Matt Lima, who's the he's the one who designed the website and did all the animations and stuff, and um, over we took way too long to make it. I'd say that's the the major flaw with it, um, but but basically we just thought it'd be a really funny website that would stand on its own, be kind of mysterious and speak to this kind of essential truth of. Um, you know, inter uh, coworker, interpersonal relationships. You know, and uh, right, and I think it hit, it hits right on the mark. I think that's what's so amazing about it is you, you, we've all sort of kind of lived lived that. I don't know about everyone, but I think a lot of people have lived that, and I think it hits it right on the mark. Yeah, it came. It, it that's that's my off. That's actually my office at uh, AMC at American Movie Classics. That's the office where I work in, mm-hmm. and um, th- that's where we shot it, and. Uh, that has totally happened um, to me, and I found it. I remember finding it fascinating before I even thought of the website or the movie. I remember being totally like, I just kind of couldn't believe that I could see both ends of the of a relationship. You know what I mean? That I could see the very beginning and the very end of it, and that in, that after the end there was like this totally sad, awkward, you know, passing by each other where there was just no greeting whatsoever. Almost, uh, a, almost like a yeah. wish of both part, patriot, that both people that never would have happened. Like that's right, kind of what it seems yeah. to me. No, I, I, I totally agree. I, I think that's that's really the unspoken, uh, sad truth of it. I mean, well, you, you, I will say yeah. in the other person's defense that when you work in an office with a ton of people, you do have to literally raise your hand and say hi, probably ninety times a day. Right. Oh and, yeah, and a lot of times they're repeat. It's like repeat, you know, uh, visits, and it does it does yeah. start to feel kind of um, cursory <laughs> and just weird. Yeah, and what if you what do you do if you see them in the hall two minutes later? Do you have to say hi again? And right, what well, if it's yeah, a half hour with, later? You know, do you have to say hi again? And, you come up you come up with these like mid level gestures where you know the first right. time it was like a hearty high five, and the next time it's kind of a you know pointing you know pointing the gun at them, and the next time it's like a, <laughs> a little you know smile. Yeah, a little smile. So. Anyway, yeah, that that was all the stuff that kind okay, of went so, into that. So the hell curve, you know, meeting at the office, having a good conversation, or working on a project, and then, uh, you, you know, slowly fading over time, the the gestures you say hello, and then pretty soon nothing. If you take mm-hmm. those same people that are at the end of that curve, where they're not talking, they're not even raising their fingers or anything, and they mm-hmm. run into each other at a deli someplace across town, 
Do they do they have a different kind of relationship? I th- I think they do. I think outside outside the routine, the everyday routine of the office, I think it's the, it becomes the, you know it becomes special again. So if you run, <laughs> it if you run yeah, if you run into them somewhere else, it's like you've given yourself that for you've, you've given yourself potentially that first experience, that first common experience again. So it really depends on what you're doing. If you just pass each other on the street, it might you might just keep keep the keep it going, avoiding. Uh, the other person, but if you see them at a concert, you know, boom, you're like, oh, wow, you like Wu-Tang Clan too? That's amazing, (laughs) you know, and then it starts all over, you got another three months, like, front-loaded, you're ready to go. (laughs) Right. That's great. You know, the one thing about the Hello Curve that's kind of disturbing to me is that after watching it, um, I started thinking about all my relationships like that. Like, where (laughs) am I on the curve? And I ran into somebody just yesterday, and sure enough, we were saying hello, but I kind of felt like, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go go along the curve a bit and <laughs> not down. spend my time Next with you. Right. And I feel kind of bad that that's how it works. <laughs> In any case. We, we, we actually talked about for a while we were going to do, we, uh, you know, we were going to do follow-ups. We wanted to do like a whole set of Hello Curves. So, you know, we wanted to do one where it was like an ex, like an ex-girlfriend or an ex-boyfriend, like those kind of relationships. Oh, wow, yeah. And that, that, how that kind of relationship, you know, degenerates over time and what it becomes and, you know, I don't know if that one ever fades out. It's a totally different shaped curve. It's one that state may you know maybe plateaus in different pla- plateaus like twice at different levels or three times even. Yeah. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But uh, we we haven't gotten to that point just yet. Have you asked for other people to submit Hello Curve videos? That idea? Uh, you know, I think that crossed our mind. I think once, honestly, once the site didn't get any traction, and, and honestly, it didn't seem like people were looking at it with any frequency. Um, we we uh, we didn't pursue the interactivity. We were just like, hey, you know, I'm glad it exists out there. I'm glad people will stumble across it from time to time, and you know that that makes me very happy. But you know, I don't know that it's worth it to try to get people to submit videos um, if for a site that's not being looked at. It might I don't know. Maybe it'd be unfair to those people. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, what is that site? I mean, thehellocurve.com. But what 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 would you classify it as? Is it media? Is it art? What, what do you think of it? Whoa! Um, is it? It's arty media, maybe. It's media art. I don't know. It's. Uh, I mean, I guess I don't know if I'd call it media. Media is a funny term to me. I just think of that as a technical term. It's you know when you have something that takes up memory somewhere. That's you know that's media. Um, I would say it's. I would say it's closer to art, but that's a tough word too because calling anything that you make art is presumptuous. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's presumptuous, or or it's just it just is like it's just wrong. It's it's too serious. It's you know. I guess what would I what would I call that site? I would call that site. I I, like, I still like the word, or I'm enjoying it today. I like the word. You know, it's an experiment. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's really what it feels like. It's just a something we we all something two something three people thought of, collaborated on, produced, and then just put it out there to see what would happen. You know, essentially, you know, would it would people look at it? Would people make any uh, assumptions based on it? Would they participate? So I think experiment or a piece of work, I mean, I guess those are the things that, that's how I'd define it, I guess. So what are the tools of your experiments and your pieces of work? You, video camera, of course. What kind of video camera do you use? Uh, I use a couple different ones. I Right now I'm actually in the process of trying to figure out how to start shooting uh, H, HD stuff more because I want to. I, I generally tend to use small camcorders myself. When I'm personally shooting, I use small camcorders. So I have a Sanyo like SD card um, little camera, little gun grip camera that is kind of a terrible camera actually. It it records to I think MPEG 
4s or MPEG 2s, mm-hmm. one of those. And um, it's if there's any kind of light, it gets very streaky, like any kind of, you know, like a, a, a you know, a, a big light, like a stoplight or something. Um, the the audio is okay. Um and it's but it's and it's got this kind of degraded picture. But I I just kind of love the body of the camera. I love how tiny it is, so I use that. And I also have a Canon Optura, which is I think uh, five years old. It's like a mini DV camera, and I I shoot most of my stuff I'd say on mini DV. And then when I shoot with other uh, cinematographers, I I my my friend Matt Elkind he shoots a lot of stuff with me. He has a um it's a Panasonic. It's the like the P two card camera i think it's like the dvx or something mm-hmm. like that and um and so that's like that's that's one H- hd situation that i do. I use that for like music videos i've made a couple music videos and 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 we shoot with that camera and i have a van- i have a short um there's a series that i was directing called blood brothers that's um mm-hmm. about slacker right, vampires right, and yeah. that that was shot with that that camera that hd camera but um i want to i want to get kind of a small hd camera that either either goes to tape or goes to um, a flash card and start shooting with that. You, okay, then, so you mentioned yeah. Bud, Blood Brothers. Um, sure. Are you writing those as well? Are they improving? What's going on? Uh, I'm. I wrote. Let's see. We've made four episodes. The first two were written, and the original story is by Will Carlo, uh, someone who I've made a lot of films with. He's uh, the redheaded dude that's in mm-hmm. a bunch of my movies, um, and, and actually is the main one of the vampires in Blood Brothers. Uh, he wrote the first two, and then I wrote the third and the fourth. And we we kind of synopsized or what's the word? Yeah, you know, we summarized uh, a twelve episode series, and we've shot the first four, but we just haven't gotten around to shooting the final eight yet. So that's the concept. That's the. But I love the idea of slacker vampires. I mean, to be honest, I think vampires might be over. Mm-hmm. But I still, I still feel like slacker vampires. I mean, how how are we not getting paid to make this? I think that's hilarious. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that could definitely be an episode. You could see that. I mean, you could see that on a series, a television series. Um, I totally. So take a look at the new um, SLR cameras that are coming out, like Canons and um, Nikon's. They mm-hmm. have HD support in them, even yeah, though they're still a normal cameras. camera. They're still camera, but actually has video support. Has video. Yeah, that's that's what I was... Someone was just... Actually, Raffi was just telling me that. He was talking about this SLR camera. Oh, that, it's incredible. And I was like, shooting... What? I was like, shooting video from this camera? That doesn't... And then the I, lenses actually have... Insane. Yeah, the lenses have depth of field and the whole deal, so you get to do some yeah. fun film effects. Okay, so uh, it sounds to me that you don't... You do that. Okay, so what are you using for software editing your videos? Uh, it's all Final Cut Pro. Um, I have, I, like I said, I have this laptop. I, have, I bought my, after I went when I went freelance. Before I went freelance, about about a year ago, I had um, I always got these laptops at work, these MacBooks and and PowerBooks. Before that, and I started editing on those. And then when I went freelance, I said I'm going to buy myself a very nice MacBook Pro, and uh, I did. I put a lot of RAM in it, and I got myself. Uh, and I have Final Cut Pro. I ripped a nice copy, and. Um, uh, that's what I use to edit, and I, you know, I spit stuff out to QuickTimes. I compress my stuff in QuickTime Pro. Um, I have kind of different compressions and audio, you know, codecs that I like for YouTube. And um, you know, I'm, always, I'm still, I feel like I'm. There's still new ways you can perfect how you kind of present stuff. But I feel like I, after a long phase of experimentation, I kind of figured out what, you know, how to make kind of uh, small videos that still looked really good. So. Yeah, so you're really editing for YouTube. Yeah, I would say I would say so, but I, I still kind of I also you know because the, but that's that's what's great about the film festivals. It does keep you a little honest, you know. Like you have to make your film also be kind of a have it be a more substantially sized 
broadcast level QuickTime, uh, you know, have that handy. And I think it's good to have that. You don't just want to have the small one because people also, when they if they want your video, they're going to want a bigger one right. so they can compress it themselves. Like everyone has different. That's what's kind of sad about the, or maybe it's beautiful. I don't know. Sad and beautiful that uh, about the internet video industry is that there are so many standards and everybody has a different idea about how it should be presented. You know, so uh, so it's good to have the big the big movies or make your make your movies um, output big versions of your movies so you can let whoever wants it you know compress it themselves essentially. Right. Casimir, can you talk about the blogs that you read and the podcasts that you listen to? Sure. Uh, I'll I'll go podcast first because it's really limited. I really just listen to This American Life. I mean, Uh I love love that podcast. I think it is totally awesome. Um, I just heard the one they did about breakups recently and it like blew my mind. I mean... (laughs) That that I feel like that podcast makes me teary eyed like like no other thing. It's amazing. Right. Um, and then uh, websites. What do I? I read. I read a whole bunch. I like uh, Kotki dot uh, org. I like um, how, do you, how do you spell that? Kotki. Kotki. K o t t k e dot org. He's really kind of like a internet institution. It's this one guy that aggregates all sorts of content. He's been doing it for about ten years and. You know, has a super, super, super high traffic site. Um, also, boingboing.net. I check them out a lot. They've posted a bunch of my videos. Um, what else? I check out oword.com because Rafi runs a good site. I check out Dallas Penn because Dallas writes a mean site as well. Um, I check out, I actually, you know, I look at a lot of, maybe it's because of Rafi and Dallas. Uh, but I also check out a lot of uh, hip hop sites like Not Right. Not Right has actually posted a lot of my videos. And there, I think he's this guy. SK is like a great, uh, really great blogger. Just you know, updates all the time. Really interesting stuff about rap and hip hop. Uh, what else? Um, I check out newtv.com. Um, I check out. Uh, I'm actually looking at my browser right now. Uh, Transbuddha.com. Uh, my friend Will has a blog called Diogenes Club. DiogenesClub.net, and his site is RedheadedLeague.com. Um, Sound of Young America I've been checking out recently um, yeah The Sound like of Young America that's actually Jesse Thorne is the one that told us that he listened he watches the internet celebrities and said that we should interview you guys yeah uh, he Raffi Raffi kind of hit me to him and he was cool. you know I, I didn't really know the site but I've been he's been so nice I mean the guy has been like really super supportive of us and uh, you know I love his site so uh, I've been checking it out Cool. Thank you very much, Casimir, for joining us. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks for uh, having me on here. You can learn all more about Casimir's work at, well, a whole bunch of sites. That's the thing is you're all over the place, but (laughs) cryingwhileeating.com, thehellocurve.com, and, of course, uh, internetcelebrities.com. Right on. Yep. Thanks a lot, Casimir. My name is Emerson Murray. My name is Lyle Troxell. And this is Media Sound Off. You can reach us at mediasoundoff.com. Thank you very much.